Welcome to the Liberty Podcast. We're so excited that you're interested in the teaching ministry of Liberty Bible Church. We're a multi-site church that exists to share the love of Christ across Northwest Indiana. If you're looking for a church home, please check us out at our website, findliberty.net. Thanks again for joining us as together we're transformed by the teaching from the Word of God. Well, there is so much that we can be angry about. So how's that going for you? What makes you angry? Is it years of mediocrity from the Chicago Bears? And predictably, Sunday afternoon after Sunday afternoon, you wonder when will we ever find a quarterback? Maybe what makes you angry is a diagnosis yourself, someone you love, that now puts their life or your life in a totally new trajectory. Is what makes you angry a snowstorm that shows up in the middle of the week and ruins whatever plans you had? Is it a friend that betrays you? The question in this world that you and I live in is not, will you get angry? Because there's so much that you will and can get angry about. The question for us is how will we deal with our anger? We're now halfway through this series in 1 John. And throughout this series, I've been trying to say basically two things that I think are the two things John keeps saying again and again and again. Which is, one, that God is love. God loves you. And two... We are then to take that love out into the world around us. We are to love others the way God has loved us. And to do that, to love others as God has loved us, means we have to be really good at dealing with anger. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. To be a community, a church, that actually makes the love of God believable to the world around us, we have to be people who are good at handling our anger. So, three points this morning. First, the destructive power of anger. Second, the healing power of anger. And third, the type of faith that frees you from an angry life. First, the destructive power of anger. Now, if you were listening when Bill read our text a minute ago, you might note the word anger is not in the text at all. But the word hatred is, and there's a story about hatred that's about anger that John references, which is the story of Cain and Abel. That when John talks about hatred, he talks about Cain, a story about two brothers. What happens in that story is you have Cain and Abel. Abel brings an offering to God, and God accepts that offering from Abel. Cain brings an offering to God, and God does not accept that offering from Abel. Cain, and that's led to lots of questions of why didn't God accept Cain's offering and, uh, and he does accept Abel's offering? Well, that should have been the question Cain asked, but Cain doesn't ask that question of God. God, why didn't you take my offering? Because Cain's not that type of person, which might have been why God didn't accept his offering. Cain has a different reaction that we read in Genesis chapter 4. After his rejection, after his offering was rejected, we read, So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. 
Cain's response to his offering being rejected was not to ask why, but to get angry. And he nurses that anger. He feeds it. So much so that God becomes concerned for Cain and intervenes and says to Cain, he asks Cain a question and then gives Cain a warning. And the question he asks is a pretty brilliant question. Why are you angry? And why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. It's a pretty good question to ask whenever we're angry. Why am I angry? And the reason that's an important question to ask, God says to Cain, is because he says anger is a sin that's, pow- that, that's cornered in the room ready to pounce on you at any moment. It's destructive. It's dangerous. If you don't deal with anger, it will deal with you and it will have you. So when you get angry, you need to deal with it. And a great way to deal with it is to ask the question, why am I angry? Now, typically I I get angry at the same time every day, which is about 7.30 p.m. on a nightly basis because that is the time when I'm trying to get my children into bed. I love the way comedian Jim Gaffigan describes bedtime. It's like reverse hostage negotiations where you say to your children, I will give you whatever you want if you just stay in that room and don't come out. And I should be asking myself, whenever this, this time comes each night, why am I angry that my kids will not go to bed? And the, the routine is I will, I will issue a very simple command, like brush your teeth so they will go and play with a toy. So I will reissue the commands, please go brush your teeth so they will go get a drink of water. And by the third time I'm repeating whatever it is we're asking them to do, just, just get them into bed. By this time, anger. So why am I angry? Is it because I am so deeply committed to my child's well-being that I know if they can't follow simple commands, they'll never be able to hold down a job. They'll never be able to be a force for good in the community. That the, the possibilities of their future will be limited by their disobedience. Am I like so concerned for their good? That is why, I, no. No, I'm angry because I have an ego And anytime you ask someone to do something and they just totally don't even respect or regard what you've said in any way, shape, or form, that makes you angry because it 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 is a damage to your ego. It it looks bad for you. It's bad for your reputation. Or, listen, if you're a young parent, young uh, young kids, like there's an hour and a half each night. Sometimes between the time your kids go to bed and before you fall asleep, like without any chance of staying awake, because you have so little energy left by the end of that day. And that hour and a half, I want to do what I want to do in that hour and a half. I got basketball games to watch. I got. I want to hang out with my wife. Right? I have books I might want to read. And so if my kids aren't going to bed, it's going to cut into that hour and a half time I have to my, it's about my freedom. That's why I'm angry. Do you see how answering or asking this very simple question, why I'm angry? A lot starts to get revealed about our souls. See, the question why I'm angry actually is, is asking two deeper questions. The first is, is in my anger, what am I defending? Our anger is a great revealer of what our idols are in our heart, what's really important to us. And the closer you get to those things, the more you threaten those things, the more likely those things are to make you angry. So I mentioned a couple for myself. 
when my kids don't listen to what I say, I have an ego and I want to be respected. And when they disrespect me, I get angry. Or I like my freedom. I like my calendar, my day going the way that I want it to go. So when someone gets in the way of that, my freedom to determine how I want to spend my time, my week, I get angry. That when you get angry, what is it that you're defending? Is it, is it your ego? You want to save face, your reputation, or is it, is it your children, your parenting style? I remember sitting down with a mom one time because we both agreed we saw her son going a direction that was not good for him. But then when we actually sat down to have the conversation, she got really angry and we couldn't have it because she felt like her parenting was being threatened or her son's life, his goodness was being threatened. And even though we agreed on the particulars, the idea that her son wasn't perfect or that her parenting style might needed some bit of change was thought, were thoughts that she could not comprehend because they were idols for her and her anger protected her, protected from getting into real conversation about those things. Your anger is a great insight into what it is that is most important to you, probably more important even than God. So in your anger, what are you defending? The second question that's worth asking in our anger is, in your anger, what is it that you're trying to destroy? What do you want to destroy? When I moved to Chicago back in 2010, I was excited initially because I'm a huge Cubs fan and I wanted to listen to Chicago Sports Talk Radio to have Cubs talk 24-7. But then when I turned on Chicago Sports Talk Radio, what I, what I found was one of the angriest places I've ever encountered. They were mad at people all the time, and it seemed like the purpose of Chicago sports radio was to get people fired, to just hate on whatever player was not playing up to their potential in that given week. And it was okay for a while, but eventually, like, I just found, like, my blood pressure is increasing. I'm getting angrier. Why am I angry? The Chicago roads make me angry enough. What is happening to me? And I just had to turn it off. Because there's, there's this progression in the biblical narrative about anger. And John, in 1 John, he's already at the very end of that progression. Genesis 4, the, the story he names, is, is detailing out that progression. Which is the a- anger, it starts, it's, we start with anger, which moves to hatred, which moves to the desire to destroy something or someone. The anger leads to hate, which leads to the desire to destroy. So Chicago Sports Talk Radio, it's get this person fired or this player should be benched, right? Desire to destroy, even if those things are true. And Jesus, of course, detailed this progression in Matthew 5 when he said, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Just let that last sentence, just pause there for a minute. Whoever calls a brother or sister a fool is participating in hell, Jesus says. You'll be liable to hell if you say that. You call another person a fool. I just got to be honest. I don't know how many Christians actually believe Jesus on that verse. 
And even as a young Christian growing up, I remember reading that thing and like, Jesus, that feels like too much. Why is it that he says, when you look at another brother or sister Christ, you look at another human being and say, you're an idiot. You're a fool. Jesus is saying, you're participating in hell. You better watch yourself. You better stop. Why? Well, it's this progression of what anger is. Anger starts with something that's, that's often okay. Anger is not itself a sin. I'll speak to that in a minute. But then it leads us to hate, which leads us to desire to destroy. And when you, you call another person a fool, what you're doing with your words is destroying them. And the reality is we live in a culture that disciples us in destroying other people, in hating other people. That's how the cable news industry works. That's how most cable news shows from 7 to 10 p.m. work, is the discipleship in hating people we think are fools. It's how a lot of podcasts run. It's how radio runs. This progression of I'm angry about something, so I want to hate someone, and now I want to destroy them by calling them a fool. And John, remember here, he's speaking to the church, and I know this may surprise you that, that Christians get angry and then act out, act out in hatred towards one another, but that's what John is, is speaking to. And it's important to remember that because as we read this, it's not that John is just coming out of nowhere with these words. He's speaking to this community in particular, and he's saying to this community, don't hate one another. And John says something very similar to what Jesus says in verse 15 when he says, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. The same progression that we see in Genesis 4 and Jesus in Matthew 5 is here in 1 John. Anger leads to hate, which leads to the desire to destroy. And I think we're coming out of a, a couple of years where, where I've just seen this on display. It's been hard to speak to Christians in ways where anger doesn't come out, whether we're talking about how to respond to the pandemic, whether we're talking about the political realities of our country, or whether we're talking about issues of race or issues of justice. It's just, it just seems like we jump to anger and you fool. Forgetting Jesus said that jump is the jump that hell makes. And if you're my disciple, you don't make that jump. That anger leads to the desire to destroy other people. So in your anger, what are you trying to destroy? And this is the challenge because one of my favorite verses in 1 John, 1 John 3 verse 8, is we're told the Son of God came into the world to destroy the works of the devil. That's a great verse. So there are things in the world worth destroying, namely the works of the devil, not other human beings. Certainly not brothers and sisters in Christ. And for many of us, we need to look in our own hearts and ask, how much of my anger is led into the desire to destroy another person, to call them a fool, to disregard their humanity, to speak of them in ways that Jesus clearly warns puts you on the path to hell? So how's it going with your anger? Why are you angry? What are you defending? What is it that it's revealing about your heart? And what are you hoping gets destroyed? That's why Jesus looked at Cain and said, listen, Cain, sin is at the door. It's crouching. It's ready to have you. It's going to get you. If you don't have it, it will have 
you. And if you finish the Genesis 4 story, Cain did not listen to God. His anger got him, grabbed him, and he murdered his brother Abel, which is, of course, the exaggerated conclusion of all anger. His anger leads to hate, which leads to the desire to destroy, first with our words, but if that doesn't do the trick for our hearts, then we eventually lead to murder. So the destructive power of anger, that's point one. Point two, okay, so how does anger become a healing force, the healing power of anger? And again, I want to stress, anger itself is not a sin. There are things worth being angry about in the world. That's what makes anger anger so difficult. The Ephesians 4.26, Paul says, in your anger, do not sin. That's from Psalm 4. Anger itself is not a sin, but it so often becomes sin. So John provides another path. So verses 11 through 15, it's about the story of Cain and Abel, hatred, we cannot hate one another. And then uh, it's about a murder, right? Verses 11 through 15 is about the murder of Abel by his brother Cain. Verse 16 is about another murder that went very differently. John says this, By this we know love, that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. But why did Jesus die? There's lots of reasons to, good answers to that question. I mean, that's, that's Christian theology. There's so many powerful ways to reflect on that. But one reason Jesus died was anger. Jesus, at the the very end of his life, crossed a line that finally did him in. The line was, he went into the temple, and in the court of the Gentiles, there was basically a marketplace set up. And this uh, made Jesus very angry, and so he got whips. He turns over tables. He let it out. And there's lots of debate why he was angry, but one thing most commentators agree on is that the court of the Gentiles was the only place non-Jewish people could go and worship and pray and experience God. And now the Jewish people had set up a a marketplace there. So Gentile people had no place to pray, which is why Jesus, in his moment of anger, quotes from Isaiah 56 and says, my house is to be a house of prayer for all people, but you've made it into a den of robbers. So Jesus, he's angry, and he speaks out against the religious establishment. Not surprisingly, this makes them angry, and so they decide in their anger to plot to kill Jesus. This was the final straw on Jesus that caused his crucifixion. So their anger leads them to do the typical biblical pattern of the world, which is anger leads to hate, the desire to destroy, and they put Jesus on a cross. But Jesus' anger at the injustice of the religious leaders towards the Gentiles leads him to forgive them, to take the cost of their sin onto himself, even praying from the cross, Father, forgive me, they, Father, forgive them, they do not know what they are doing, and then leads into his generosity of salvation and forgiveness for all people. It's a very different progression than the way of the world. And so what is more true of your anger? That it leads to hate, desire to destroy others, or that it leads you to sacrifice and forgive Absorb the cost into yourself and then lay your life down for others and be poured out in generosity and kindness to the very people who made you angry in the first place. There's two very different ways of approaching the world. 
Path one, the way of the world is anger, hate, destruction of others. That's the pattern of Cain. And as John says, and we just need to hear this, this is such a stark warning of what an angry life leads to. Whoever does not love abides in death. The way of hatred and anger is death. So I see as Lewis said of, of the Nazis, first they killed the Jews because they hated them, but then they hated them because they killed them. Right? Hatred and anger is just this, this descent into death and hell, which is why Jesus said, if you start looking at another person and saying, you fool, get off that path as soon as you can. But the way of Jesus is, is anger, love, and generosity towards others. Which is why John contrasts in verses 11 through 15, hatred in the church is leading to bitterness and division and rivalry, all those things. And then the way of love, which is you see another brother, sister in need and you give whatever it is they need. Whatever it is they need for their, their, their flourishing, you lay your life down for them. I actually think this is a great way if, to deal with your anger. If you're an angry person and you're feeling some conviction this morning, I'll get to grace and gospel in a second. But if you just want like a practical way to deal with your anger, it's actually not to, in the moment you get angry, to think to yourself, I'm going to stop being angry right now. Because if you've ever been around another person when they're angry, that's probably the worst response that you can have to an angry person. So they need something else. And one of the best ways, I think, to deal with your anger is to practice generosity. So maybe try this on this week. Well, I just finished... Uh, this book called Water from a Deep Well, which is a look at, at Christian spirituality from uh, the early church to today. And I love the chapter on the early church. And on the, the chapter on the early church, there was a quote from an early Christian named Aristides. And he said this about Christians meeting one another, uh, another's needs. And it's important to note, the early church was mostly people who were in poverty. So their generosity was not out of their wealth. It was, they were poor, and yet through their poverty, they, they found ways to be generous to one another. And this is one of the ways. Aristides wrote, If anyone among them, among Christians, comes into want while they have nothing to spare, they fast for two or three days for him. In this way, they can supply any poor man with the food he needs. So poor Christians would encounter someone else in need and say, I have nothing to give you. But I, what I can do is I can skip two or three meals and then I will have something to give you. So I will give you then. I mean, just what mind-blowing generosity. And this might be a way for you to deal with your anger is, listen, this week, my guess is none of us lack the resources to eat this week. But maybe what you do is you fast two, three meals and you put the 5, 10, 15, I don't know the quality of your lunches, $20 into your pocket and you save it for the next benevolent offering. Or you just put it in your pocket ready to give it to the next person in need. Buy the, the, the meal for the next person in need that you might encounter. And you say, well, how does that deal with anger? Well, what it does is it lets you pretend you're like Jesus for a while. Right? That your life is laid down for others and, and given out in generosity. And maybe you can't do that with the people who make you angry right now. Maybe that doesn't happen at you for bedtime right now. That's, that's deep discipleship of Jesus. We got years to go for some of us on that end. But by pretending you're like Jesus in, in other ways, it can make you like Jesus in the ways where it's really difficult. And anger isn't, 
is an area where it's really difficult to be like Jesus. So it's an idea. Next step for this week to exit the way of anger and enter the way of love. The way of Jesus, which is his anger towards the sinful world led him to lay down his life on a cross and pour himself out in generosity towards us. That's the healing power of anger. Third and finally, the faith that frees you from an angry life. John ends this passage the way he ends a lot of his writings throughout both his gospel and these letters. Verse 23, this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. You can't get very far in John's writing without hearing something like, you need to believe in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, what does that mean, to believe in the name of Jesus Christ? Well, for a long time, because I grew up in the church, I just assumed that meant, well, you believe some facts about Jesus to be true. Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Messiah. He died to forgive my sins. And you have to do that. That is part of belief. But that's not all of belief. Because as James tells us in his writing, Demons believe those basic facts about Jesus as true as well, but they're not saved. They're not in relationship with God. So what's the difference between belief, where yes, I believe some things are true about Jesus, and belief as John's talking about here? Well, let me try to illustrate it this way. I've heard the, the recent Spider-Man movie is incredibly good. But I, I have not seen it. And the reason I didn't see it is because I was told in order to enjoy the movie, you need to have watched other Spider-Man movies leading up to it, and many of the Marvel movies leading up to it as well. I don't know if you're aware, but there are like 400 Marvel movies that have come out in the last 15 years, and apparently you have to watch all of them to understand any of what's happening in any of the different movies. So I just, I like Christmas break, I just wanted to go watch a good movie, and it's like, I can't do it because you have to enter into the entire Marvel world to understand what's happening in any particular movie. And I want to say particularly, Faith in Jesus is understanding with Jesus comes a world and, and an entire existence, a universe, a way of being in the world, which means or which includes love of enemies and dying to self to serve others in love and generosity. And if you want that world, then you will believe in Jesus. If you don't want that world, if you want your angry small existence, Jesus is not going to be someone you're interested in. You can't believe basic facts about Jesus and carry on with an angry life because Jesus is the antithesis to an angry life. His anger does not lead to destroying others. His anger leads to loving others. And my question is, if you believe in the name of Jesus, what is it that you want? What does your heart desire? If you're sitting there saying, you know, I have some things to anger about. I'm not changing anything walking out of here. You don't believe in Jesus then because you don't want his world. You don't want his kingdom, his universe. But that's a hard thing to hear. So let me just, let me close by saying probably all of us are in one of three places with our anger. The first is you, you know you're angry and you're going to leave this week trying everything you can to stop being an angry person. And that's not what John is saying. The answer is not more effort. The answer is believe in Jesus, that I love the way Tim Keller describes anger. He says it's like nuclear energy. Nuclear energy. It can be harnessed for incredible good as we see in Jesus' life. But like you need advanced degrees to deal with nuclear uh, physics. You can't just like walk into a nuclear energy plant and say, you know guys, I, just, I googled some things this week. Let me press the buttons this week or whatever they've got. I'm sure that it's more complicated than buttons, but that's all I got. 
you do not have the strength to deal with your own anger. You need to believe in Jesus. You need help. Don't leave this place doubling down on your efforts to stop being angry. Believe, leave this place doubling down your efforts to believe in Jesus and his world, his kingdom, his universe. Or second, you're sitting there saying, you know, Tim, I am angry, but everything I'm angry about is like Jesus' anger. And everything I want to destroy is what Jesus wants to destroy. And to me, that's like if someone were to, and forgive the illustration, this is all I got. It's like someone, if someone came into my house and it's clear they'd had a little bit too much to drink. And like, Tim, I heard you, because we're having electrical problems in our uh, And you know, Tim, uh, here you have electrical problems. Why don't you hold my drink? I'll go work on that for you. I'm not going to let you do that, right? And anger, this idea that my anger is totally righteous in all of its forms. I don't believe that. For any of us, this is, this is nuclear energy here. Cain looks, or God looks at Cain and says, this is going to get you. This is going to destroy you, Cain. And if you're confidently saying, I've got no anger problem, or everything I'm angry about is right, that actually may be the bigger problem than your anger, is your pride. Third and finally, maybe you're sitting there saying, Tim, I'm with you. I'm tired of being angry. But I have been damaged or I have seen things in this world and I don't know how to be free of the anger towards those things. And this is the good news of belief in Jesus, which is, is Jesus does not come to us and say, be everything that I expect you to be right now. No, just sit in and watch the movie. Enjoy it. And say, I know I'm not the person who can channel my anger into love and sacrificial, self-sacrificial generosity towards others. I'm not that person yet, but I want to be. And so Jesus, I'm here to present myself to you to say, make me into that person. And the beauty of Jesus in that request is two things. One, everything that makes us angry, righteously angry in this world, Jesus is angry about that as well. Things that have done, been done to you or that harmed you that are oftentimes what wells our anger up in our hearts. Jesus is angry alongside with you in that. But more than that, the promise is that now the Spirit of God indwells us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, God in him. This is how John ends this passage. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the Spirit whom he has given to us. So right now, um, you may only feel like the hatred, anger of the world exists in you. And that's all you experience. That's all you see, the fruit of your life. And yet, the gospel says if you believe in Jesus, if you sit at his feet and say, I want your world, then God has given you his spirit. And the spirit of God in you is the spirit, the same spirit of Jesus that led to his anger being self-sacrificial, generous love poured out to others. And it might be weak in you and me right now. Might be a lot of hatred of the world, a little bit of spirit. That's okay. The Spirit of God will overcome that given time. That the gospel of Jesus Christ ultimately is that the anger of God led to the Son of God going to a cross to pour himself out in love and generosity towards us, to be laid in a tomb, and then to be raised by the Spirit of God to new life three days later. And that power is at work in you and I. And if that power could get Jesus out of his tomb. It can get you over your anger. Just keep believing in Jesus.
Because if Jesus was freed from an empty, or not quite empty tomb, you will be freed from an angry life. Let us pray. Father, I know in my own heart when people approach me in my anger, defenses rise, weapons get formed to fight back. So I'm just grateful none of us have to do that right now. We can lay those things down and know we come to a table where we are loved. We come to a God who cares for us and a God who is righteously angry in all, all that you say, feel, and do. And yet, God, that always pours out first in love. So may we be recipients of that love now that you would free us from an angry life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being with us today. If you'd like more information on our church or a place to connect, you can check us out on the web at findliberty.net.